Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Hanoi, Vietnam with my new friend Paul Kennedy of VietnamTravelWithUs.com. Paul went on a birthday trip four years ago and never stopped traveling. He stumbled upon Vietnam and fell in love with Hanoi and decided to start his business here. In this episode, Paul and I talk about the Ho Chi Minh Mausoleum, exploring the Temple of Literature, and visiting the Hoa Lo Prison, which our soldiers called the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. Hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting Vietnam, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Hanoi. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lee. Greetings from Hanoi, Vietnam. Growing up, I watched the show with Robin Williams. It was Good Morning Vietnam. And I just always remember that line, Good <laughs> Morning Vietnam. And, and I have yet to be able to visit the country, but I've had a lot of friends who visited and just said so many wonderful things about it. And so it's really awesome to have you on the show. And what's your connection to the city? Well, now I live here. <laughs> now I live here. But at some point, I was just wandering, traveling aimlessly. And when I got to Hanoi, I understood that I wanted to be here. I wanted to live here. Within 15 minutes of landing here, I knew I wanted to live here. So I created a life. That is so cool. Like, okay, you've been there for four years. And I know a lot of people that have kind of like that, that travel bug or that nomadic lifestyle or mentality, you know, they kind of bounce around a lot. But what's kept you in Hanoi for the last four years? It started in the fact that I just, I really like it. It's really colorful as far as the culture goes. At the time, I didn't realize what I was looking for, but I really appreciate being able to learn the culture. And I didn't get it at first because I had worked my way over here from Greece. So I had stopped at other places in Turkey, Italy, Greece, places like Chiang Mai. Everyone pointed me towards Chiang Mai because they thought I would want to stay there or try to stay there. And it was just there's too many expats. It was too westernized. And I, again, I didn't understand why I didn't like it, but I knew immediately within 15 minutes I didn't want to be there. But that was why. There was um, less to learn. There was less culture there. But when I got to the Vietnam, the exact opposite, I knew I wanted to. I still didn't pinpoint what it was. It was a culture, without a doubt. Now I know. Years later, I'm a slow <laughs> learner, but I finally realized that's what I wanted, was I, I really appreciate and I want to learn. And I still do it. Four years into it, I don't listen to music when I'm outside because I want to hear every sound. I'm still that curious. So well, that's incredible. It's a great place to live. Well, I think that's uh, to your point about like Chiang Mai and some of these other cities that are pretty popular with expats is that they're, they're relatively small and it's pretty easy for like the foreigners to come in and like kind of overwhelm things. Whereas like, I didn't really know this until I was reading some of the notes and doing some, doing some research that, I mean, Hanoi is like the size of New York city, right? It is. 
So, I mean, it takes a lot of people to really kind of influence that. And like you're, even if there's a quite a big of an influx, it still has that, that overwhelming culture that, you know, maybe you're going to assimilate more to that versus changing the culture that's already there. Right. And I came from New York. So we had our pockets. The Greek pocket was in Astoria. There was uh, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. There may have been a Latino. It was, we had our different pockets of ethnicity and that's normal for people want to, to want to live around others like them and feel comfortable. And it's the same here. So if I had landed in Hanoi and gone to the expat area, I would have felt the same way as I did about Chiang Mai. But Chiang Mai is pretty much all, <laughs> it's a huge hub for expats. And like you said, the population-wise, the percentage-wise of people, it's overwhelming. The expat area here in Hanoi is, for the most part, they're isolated in this one area. You know, if people feel comfortable living there, then live there. Back when COVID had started, I had started teaching because we were in lockdown. I couldn't leave the country. There was nothing to do, business closed, et cetera. I started teaching. And one of the teachers said, don't you feel, I live in a local area. No people like me. No foreigners, we call them, <laughs> me. And one of the teachers asked if I felt lonely because there's nothing in English, nothing. And I was like, no. But the question back to him was, why are you even here? If you're surrounded <laughs> by other people who speak English and buy all these Americanized, margar- you know, restaurants that have margarita night or taco Tuesday, whatever it may be. You're, you're kind of missing out on, on so much of the culture here. So, you know, reverse. He's comfortable with that situation. I'm, now I'm thriving. I want to learn more and more. I enjoy not necessarily the history, but I really enjoy the culture. That's amazing. So a couple of questions. One, as far as like, I know a lot of, a lot of countries require visas or other different documents as far as being able to enter. You Being a traveler, you're bouncing around. Did you have to get a visa going into Vietnam? Or, or, and now that you've been there for all this time, do you have to renew the visa or anything like that to be, in order to be able to stay and work there? I do. I really uh, went from zero to 60. The night before I left New York, I did not, I didn't have my passport until the week I left New York. I didn't even have a backpack. <laughs> so I, I never traveled. And the night before I'm out saying goodbye to some friends and one of my friends, because I said, oh, you know, maybe if I have time, I'll go to a you know, different country, et cetera. After this was a 10 day birthday trip in Greece, I had planned. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll go to this country. My friend was surprised that I had gotten all my visas in time for all these travels or ideas. And I had no clue what a visa even was. I always heard the word visa. I thought it meant like MasterCard visa, credit card. So I didn't had no clue. So the night before I had no visa, the night before my flight, nothing. So I went from zero to 60 and you know, now I arrange visas for people. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But visa wise, to answer your question, it changes the countries, especially countries that are, are socialist or communist. They change on a whim. So right now they just did away with a three month visa. I started out with a one month visa, tourist visa. I quickly switched to a one year tourist visa. You know, I failed to follow the rules because I didn't understand the rules. I was supposed to still do a visa run, which is when, when you leave the country and come right back in. I didn't do that. I was supposed to do it every three months. So I got charged this huge fine. And again, I quickly learned and I switched to an investor visa, meaning I own a company or you can, if you own something, if you're an investor of some sort where you own property or business, then you get an investor visa, which is the creme de la creme. 
So I really have no restrictions. I can come and go as I please. Oh, nice. Okay. So, but if say if I'm coming there for like a like a week or something, then I just get a one month tourist visa. Okay. But there there are different options. There really are, and they really honestly they change all the time. So there's the ones that have multiple entries, single entry. It changes on a whim. So whatever you read online, get rid of that because it's going to be what they want to do that day especially countries like this. You kind of need to to work with a visa company. And here you can do visa on arrival, but it's also a little tricky. So to answer your question, you could do a one-month multiple-entry travel visa at this point. By the time this airs, I don't know <laughs> what the answer will be. That makes total sense. And you mentioned Visa MasterCard earlier as well. When people come to Vietnam, are credit cards widely accepted or do we need to have some of the local currency when we're there to kind of pay for things as we're walking around? Local currency is always recommended. ATMs work for some people, meaning if your bank allows it, I never had a problem at any ATM and I never got charged any transactional or foreign fees. But that was because I arranged that before I left because I heard I should and I did. But I still do watch, read all the comments from other foreigners in the expat groups, and they have a lot of difficulty. So if they're having difficulty, I know tourists are having difficulties. So local currency is always the best idea. The truth is, if someone wants to sell you something with a credit card, they will find a way. They will go to, they share credit card swipers. So, you know, you may be at a restaurant, they may walk to a some retail store five doors down and run their credit card. Yeah, so don't so don't think they're trying to steal your information. They're, they're really well, they really just... might. They might. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different episode, though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, of course, because why would you take the risk of, of giving your credit card to somebody in a foreign land anyway? It just doesn't make sense. So the local currency always makes sense when traveling. Okay. Now, as far as you know, obviously, you kind of took like a roundabout route to to get to Hanoi. For us coming from the U.S., like you know, I live in Nashville. If I'm going to fly there. You know, are there direct flights from, like, say, L.A. or New York or something? Or are we going to take a stopover someplace? They're supposed to have started a direct flight. They said they did. But I have not witnessed it, meaning I haven't read up anything about it. They direct flights from the West Coast, from L.A. and... Probably San Francisco or something. Yeah. But the, the East Coast, it's to me, it's easy. I, the flights, I can't think of a better place to be. They may be long flights, even from the East Coast. But you are... Eating and napping for 24 hours. I mean, what a great life. You know, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in basic economy, then maybe maybe it's not so great. Even their basic economy, they have a lot of legroom. I'm pretty tall. They're not bad flights, honestly. And I go home again without any sort of pandemic <laughs> restrictions. I fly home more from Vietnam to D.C. than I did from New York to D.C. It's an easier trip because New York to D.C., you're talking about a, a, either a train to a train to a cab or it's, a, it's quite a process. And here, there's no process. It's you go to the plane, it leaves on time, there's minimal security. It's safe, but it, there's no lines. It's super easy. It reminds me of getting on the Amtrak on the East Coast where you just show up and get on your, your train and you go. So it's not a process. All that that stress of flying and the time that's required to show up in advance is all gone. It's so easy to fly. Okay, so once we arrive in, in Hanoi, do we take public transportation like a train or a taxi or 
rickshaw or something like i don't know how do you get from the airport to like <laughs> to the to the center of all the action take a taxi they have for fun you could arrange to have a, a jeep pick you up but no a, a just a regular car a regular taxi you can order in advance i usually do the vip express when i travel because i've learned how how great that is when Someone picks you up or meets you when you at the gate when you land and they take care of your visa for you and they take you to your car. I love eliminating stress in travel. So is, is so that's like a like a local service? Um yeah, I think most countries have that. They usually different names, usually VIP visa or VIP Express or Arrival VIP. It's just something VIP, but don't be thrown off by that word VIP. <laughs> It's, I don't find it that costly, especially when you travel to a country or countries as inexpensive as Vietnam. You, you should have extra money budgeted for the little things that make it even better because it's so cheap here. It really is. I did hear your, one of your podcasts. A guy was talking about how expensive it was in Chiang Mai. And it's true. In pockets, there are. What I pay for things are not. It's pale in comparison to what the other expats pay because I live in a, a local area. Sure, sure. I think it's like they know that it's all the Americans or the Brits or whatever in one spot, so they jack out the prices. But again, if you just go a couple blocks down the road and you're in more where all the locals are, you're going to find those really inexpensive prices. Yeah, if if the signs are in English, you're in the wrong place. It's that simple. For you coming in there and you've been there for four years and you're living in like the local area, did you learn Vietnamese ahead of time or like like how do you get around and how do you learn that? I knew this was coming. <laughs> I tried. I took a private class and I really tried, Lee. I really tried. Um, but no, I, I don't have the ear for it. It's a tonal language. And luckily, the classes were canceled. Again, issues with nation <laughs> global pandemic. But I never picked them up again because one of the last classes, the tutor just said, what's wrong with you? Because we, <laughs> I told you how this, how this word is pronounced like eight times. Why can't you get it right? So he's not the most, he wasn't the most encouraging tutor, but he was, he was spot on. I don't have an ear for it. So I, I bring someone with me everywhere I go. I adapt. In New York, we had a uh, handyman at this restaurant group and he was a deaf mute and we believe he couldn't write as well. But if we wanted him to repair something, we had to describe it, which location and what it was uh, without him being able to understand us because I didn't know sign language. And I don't think he actually did completely either. But you just adapt. You learn how to, to communicate with people. So here I learn. And my favorite somewhat recent example is I went to get a ream of paper for my printer around the corner. And I brought a picture of it on my phone and had it ready to show her the translation. I did both to this lady. Her eyesight was not that good. But she kept trying to give me depends on her garments. <laughs> male, male diapers, adult diapers. And even with the picture and even with the translation, it did no good. So it's not like my, my life is ruined. I was like, mm, okay, well, I guess I'll just, you know, if I need paper, which I do, I'll just have someone buy it for me. And that's, and that's really what I do is sometimes I try things. Sometimes I'll get adult diapers instead of printer paper <laughs> or I get strawberry ice cream instead of iced tea. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't had strawberry ice cream in a long time. I didn't want it, but I'll, I'll eat it. You just roll with it. So I I bring, I don't speak the language. I tried, I failed miserably. Ironically, I teach it. I teach English, I mean, (laughs) so (laughs) full circle somehow. But I I do, I I go to every restaurant, every store with friends of mine, Vietnamese friends. They're my 
my translators. Okay. So when we come to, to Vietnam, we're not going to take you with us. We're going to take your friends with us. <laughs> yes. when we go take, I'm useless. I'm going to be, the, I, I told you, I'm going to be the most useless person on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, let, let's, uh, let's test some of your local knowledge and let's see how useless you are. So I was doing a little research on like some like really good things to do when we're there in, in Vietnam. Uh, some of like the, the big things that I saw, like the, the Ho Chi Minh mausoleum. One thing, I guess Ho Chi Minh is literally there like in case in glass and you can literally see the guy who was like the former president of, of Vietnam. Correct. I have not gone inside the mausoleum. I do know, or I hear read that they take his body away once a year to Russia to uh, be touched up. But I've never gone inside of it. Yeah, you know, I really, I lived out, I grew up outside of D.C. I never went to see the White House until after I moved away. But I really, I think it's a beautiful sight, especially at nighttime, driving by the mausoleum. It's spectacular. Yeah, the, the pictures look pretty amazing. Uh, there's so many different really cool places that I saw there. Another one is like the Temple of Literature. I guess it was built in like 1070. So it's over a thousand years old. And as a, as a writer, I, I'm a freelance writer, you know, and I, I have my own blog, which was really cool. They said that, a lot of uh, aspiring writers go there and pray th- for the potential that their book is going to get published. Oh, good to know. Thank you. Let me write that down. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about your your book that you're working on a little bit later. So, uh, so maybe that's something you want to do before you go down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch to the iPhone and head over there right now. Yeah, <laughs> take this podcast mobile. Nice. Uh, another one is uh, the the Trang Quoc Temple. I guess it's the oldest Buddhist temple in the city, and it was built in the sixth century. I thought that that was really cool. You like my my knowledge? I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yo, that's cool. You're like, I'm, I'm going to be taking notes too. <laughs> Here's the thing is I've been to all these places. What they're called, I couldn't tell you. I do know Temple of Literature because it's in English. But the Vietnamese names, they're all lost on me. I'm helpless. I'm useless. You got to get that Google Translate <laughs> where you can like literally hold, hold up the phone and it, it translates the word right there on your on your screen. I know. <laughs> Another one is like the, uh, obviously we had the Vietnam War back in the day. So there's the, the Hoa Lo prison, which is called like the Hanoi Hilton. Have been there, yes. Yeah. So that was like, that's for the history buffs. It seems like the city is just full of all these amazing places that you can go that there's really important things that happen in history there. And so it's, you, you can go there for the food. You can go there for the history. So many great things. Truly. And great, great places. The, a lot of it was ruined. A lot of the history was ruined, including that prison. There's only a fraction of it left. So it's it's underwhelming in that sense that you don't get to see. Um, but the fact that it's there, it serves almost as a monument more so for me than it does an actual visual um, because so much of it's gone. But the fact that they still keep that part open is enough because, like I said, it's more of a monument. Yeah, there's a lot of history. But the north is full of the natural beauty, too. It has all these natural landscapes that are, I think, even better than than what you're talking about. So uh, in the north of Vietnam or the north of Hanoi? Uh, northern Vietnam and mostly north and east of Hanoi. There's a lot of beautiful landscape. Yeah, like uh, like parks and nature type uh, experiences? Yeah, UNESCO sites, uh, Halong Bay with all the, the limestone mountains coming out of the water. Sapa in the north, which are the terrace rice fields. Nimbin, which is almost like uh, they call it Holland Bay on land, which is all same thing. It's the, the limestone formations, but it has the waterways that go through it. It's just their natural beauty surrounded by it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because 
we forget that like obviously there's big cities like uh, Hanoi that are there in the country, but in many cases there's just little villages kind of in between those big cities. So there's still like kind of like that untouched beauty. There really is. I escape all the time on the weekends and it's different. You're in New York and you escape for the weekends. You're just basically in a suburb here. You escape and you're in a village and these villages are night and day. I was at one recently and these are all drivable, but one of them, no one cooks indoors. They all cook outside. Unbelievable because the entire place smells like a fireplace, the entire village, everyone's outside cooking. Everyone has a fire going outside and everyone's got these big giant vats, these pots with um, some sort of soup or, or rice or porridge cooking on these pots. And it's just incredible because you're, you know, you just don't see that. And fire, um, wood, I mean, cooking with wood, very unique. It's not commercialized and it's not something that's off the beaten path like you hear a lot about. It just happens to be a village that is outside of Hanoi. Um, it's not something that people look for or want to look for. It just happens to be a village. They don't change. They don't promote. They don't, they're not commercialized. It's not that kind of situation, which I really appreciate. Most places, they'll call themselves off the beaten path or, or something to that nature, but they're still commercialized. So, you know, they'll, you'll still find them wearing like old original costumes or what they wore centuries ago, that kind of situation. These are just people living. <laughs> they're just happy. You know, they're living, they're cooking by by fire with wood outside their house. It is what it is. They're not changing. They're not looking for anything. And I like that. That's so cool. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you sharing all these really cool tips for Hanoi. Uh, now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Hanoi, where should they go and what should they eat? Okay, so this is a tough part because A, I don't know uh, the names of places or the addresses. I can say this. In New York, my tradition was always if you go somewhere, if you're going on a trip, uh, your last meal before you leave should always be the best meal. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just a great tradition. Before you go on a trip, before you say goodbye to all your friends and family, you have a great meal with all of them. With that being said, I have this amazing bowl of snail soup at a place by my house. So what I can do is, if anyone ever wants to know, I'll send you a pin of where it is in Thang Suan District of Hanoi. And that's my favorite. My favorite meal is the snail soup at a place near my house. All right. Well, cool. We're all going to show up to your house. And then we'll, 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 we'll <laughs> I walk there together. in my house, Lee. I said, <laughs> I said near my house. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> we already established the fact that we can't go anywhere with you. Anyways. We've got to like, go see you, and then you're going to introduce us to your friends, and they'll take us around. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've been there for four years. What's one of your most memorable stories? Memorable stories? Do I have a memorable story? Every day is memorable. Memorable would be things that probably are a little shocking or off-putting to some people. Seeing people in some of these villages in the mountains, watching them clean rats for dinner. But it's it's memorable and shocking at first. But honestly, it would be no different than if I saw someone cleaning and skinning a, a rabbit in the U.S. So both are eye-opening and, and jarring to me to see that. It was jarring to me to see that them cleaning rats for their meal, but it is what it is. It's their culture. No, absolutely. And that's one thing we often forget. And as we go to different countries, things that are, are not normal for us are just their everyday life. Right. I would be shocked if I saw someone cleaning a rabbit on the side of the road in the U.S. I would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> leave it at that because I don't want people <laughs> yelling at me about animal rights and veganism. 
Oh, sure, sure. It is what it is. So where's the happiest happy hour in, in Hanoi? I don't know of a single happy hour. Not a lot of drinking in Vietnam. The locals drink beer. Happy hour, you would have to go to a place in the expat area. Everything Western is there, and, and happy hour is one of them. I've never seen one. I, I don't even see bars that much. I know they have them in the expat area. Okay. So uh, if you had a suggestion of, of where to go, if we want to just hang out with locals and, and have a drink, something like that, where would we go for that? Same. So the West expat area is called Teho. Teho means West Lake because the lake in the West is also where the Westerners, meaning foreigners, live. And that's where you find, you truly do not find bars. You don't see them. You see coffee shops, retail stores, and restaurants. You don't see bars here. They have beer street like they do in other countries, and locals will drink there. But that's pretty much the extent of it, outside of expat area. So the expat area, anywhere there, anywhere. Okay, that makes sense. I'm pretty sure then I know the, ne- the answer for the next one. Whenever I travel, I was checking out the local pizza. What's the best place for preparing pizza in Hanoi? Is it the, is it the expat area? Uh, it is, but surprisingly, the locals do like pizza. They, they eat seafood pizza. And there's a place called Four Peas that they like. Four Peas. It's a, I don't know if it's a chain at this point or how they're branded, what kind of setup they have. But it's a restaurant group, definitely. At the very least, it's a restaurant group called Four Peas. And the locals really, that's their favorite pizza place. Four Peas. Right on. So obviously, uh, you've been traveling for, basically, you, you thought it was going to be a, a short trip, and now you've just been traveling for, for years, right? Uh, like, you never stopped. What's one of your best travel tips? Best travel tips? I didn't get a lot of advice, but one of the things that one of my friends told me who was a true traveler was the backpack. The 40-liter backpack, no wheels. Life changer. I will never bring luggage anywhere ever again. Ever. Everything I need will always fit in a backpack. It just makes sense. It changes everything. It changes your entire trip or vacation or whatever it is. It really does. That and Imodium. We don't have the same regulations, health inspections, etc. throughout the rest of the world like you do in the U.S. I don't have an issue, but I know, I yes, I advise a 40-liter backpack, no wheels, and an Imodium. And you're good to go for at least five years. That's your five-year warranty. Guaranteed. <laughs> nice. <With> those two <laughs> items. <laughs> well, uh, well, Paul, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips. I learned a lot about Hanoi, and I learned a lot about uh, Imodium as well. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much. But uh, can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yes, I am. Uh, well, besides teaching right now, I just finished a cookbook, and you can find information about that on my website, Paul. It's a very creative website name, Paul B. Kennedy. Paul B. Boy, B. Like Boy, Kennedy, like President.com. If you uh, want to sign up to be notified when the book, cookbook comes out, it'll probably be the end of this year or beginning of next year. And I also own a uh, travel agency here in Vietnam. And it's called VietnamTravelWithUs.com is the website. Vietnam Travel With Us. I will not be your tour guide. So do not worry about that. <laughs> I will not be giving you any, any information. But I am my business partner is one of the top guys in, in Vietnam for travel. So we can plan your trip for you. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll include all the links to all that in the show notes. And Paul, again, it was a pleasure talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Likewise, Lee, come visit. What a fun conversation with Paul. 
I've heard many good things about Vietnam and I'd love to visit someday. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Hanoi. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Marrakesh, Morocco to speak with my new friends Dan and Isla Harvest Skidmore of RiyadhLaVie.com. In this episode, we talk about visiting Bahia Palace, exploring the Hardin Secret, and hitting the slopes at the exotic ski resort. We hope you'll join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.